Support for this IPR podcast comes from Iowa Community Foundations, an initiative of the Iowa Council of Foundations, connecting donors to causes they care about. Details on the Endow Iowa Tax Credit Program at communityfoundations.org. It's Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe. Later this hour, the Danny Awards are an annual celebration of exceptional disabled musicians put on by Daniels Music Foundation of New York. And this year, Iowa broadcaster, actor, and singer Ricky Bartlett will be performing. I will talk with Bartlett and Daniel and Ken Trush of Daniels Music Foundation. But first, is it possible to measure the value of arts in a community? Probably not, but it is possible to measure the economic value of art organizations and events. The Iowa Economic Development Authority participated in a year-long study called Arts and Economic Prosperity 6, including 565 Iowa nonprofit organizations, including museums, art centers, festivals, performing arts venues, and more in communities all over the state. And spoiler alert, the economic impact of these organizations is powerful. To help us understand the report, Randy Cohen is here. He's vice president of research at Americans for the Arts, a national nonprofit arts organization that led the study nationwide. Welcome, Randy. Thank you. Good to be here. It's wonderful to have you here. Sally Dix is also here with us, executive director of Bravo Greater Des Moines, the region's arts council. Hello, Sally. Good morning, Charity. And Randy, I want to start with you. Uh, We're going to focus a lot on the Iowa data that was collected, but let's start with the big picture. This was a nationwide study, and and this is the sixth time it has been done. So tell me a little bit about the mission. Well, the purpose of this um, is to document uh, the economic contributions that the nonprofit arts and culture makes uh, to the our communities, to our states, um, and uh, Des Moines and about 10 cities in the state. And the state were part one of 373 communities across all 50 states and Puerto Rico. And, you know, we all love the arts, right? They create the communities that we want to live in, and they bring joy to residents, and they create opportunities for shared experiences. But the fact is, in addition to that, they're businesses, and they support jobs. And I can just tell you, in Iowa, 12,441 jobs across the state as a result of spending by arts organizations and their audiences. And so, you know, arts, food for the soul, but also putting food on the table for more than 12,000 households right here in Iowa. That, that's that's a pretty big number, and, and it does help us, I guess, put, put a number value on the arts. What do you think about as the utility of quantifying? Because there, there are all of these other benefits to the arts, arts that we can't quantify, but what do you think the utility is? You know, it helps us explain um, one of the myriad of benefits that the arts bring to a community. Um, you know, again, they, they do all these wonderful intrinsic uh, things for us. They help kids in schools. They help our health care. Um, but the fact is a lot of decision makers who fund the arts, our legislators, our business leaders, look at life through an economic lens. And every industry out there has an economic lens. Uh, and so now arts and culture has its economic lens. And so it changes the conversation, you know, makes the arts uh, not just a charity, but an industry. 
Do you feel like there's any danger to quantifying uh, the value of the arts? Because if we only look at the arts in economic terms, there are a lot of things that wouldn't get funded. Right. And that's why we don't only look at the economic terms. Um, But, you know, sometimes I say, ask any legislator their three priorities. They'll tell you it's jobs, jobs and jobs. And what we're going to do with this study is we're going to connect arts and culture and all the beauty and wonder of it to those priorities of jobs, jobs, and jobs. And so it's it's just one more arrow in the case-making quiver for advocates for the arts. And I should add, advocates for the arts aren't just artists and arts organizations. It's business leaders. It's uh, community leaders. Um, you know, it's school leaders. It's hospital leaders. So it's just one more way to tell the benefits, uh, talk about the benefits of the arts. So tell me more about your approach. I mean, you you already mentioned uh, looking at the number of jobs that are created by all of these nonprofits that participated in the study in Iowa. Tell me a little bit more about what you were looking at. So the first thing we did is um, we surveyed the arts and culture organizations themselves, right? So yes, our theaters, our ballets, our music organizations, our community organizations that are presenting the arts. You know, even a lot of libraries now are home to great arts programming. And we just looked at how much those organizations spent. I can tell you, um, we surveyed uh, about 2,700 organizations across the state, heard back from 565 of them, and that's what we go with. Those numbers I report, it's only the data we collect. I can put my hands on every single one of those dollars. And we found just those organizations 8.2 million attendees and a total expenditure of $428 million. And that right there changes the conversation about the arts. It helps us think about them as businesses because the fact is they employ people locally, they purchase goods and services from other businesses in the community. Arts organizations are members of the Chamber of Commerce and they do help market and promote the city and the region, you know, really driving tourism. And so every time they spend a dollar, there's an economic impact. But an interesting phenomenon happens when we go to the arts. We just make an event out of it. You know, we go, maybe we park first and have dinner, see the show or go to the festival, go out afterwards. You know, if we got little ones at home, you right, double the cost. Stay in a hotel. Yes, right. lodging, right. Even babysitting, you know, which is, uh, you know, it was, was always the backbreaker uh, for us. But um We interviewed um, over 5,900 arts attendees at arts events across the state, and the typical attendee spends $30.81 per person per event, not including the cost of admission. (laughs) So if you're a local business, boy, you love a vibrant arts community because, you know, it's it's hotels, it's heads and beds, it's cheeks and seats and derrieres and cafe chairs, right? So <laughs> it's it's providing all of this business for other businesses. And then you look at the economic impact of that $705 million, you add it up, we talked about it, 12,441 jobs. Government revenue, $152 million in revenue to local, state, and federal government. You know, and government's need to think about revenue as well. That's how they pay for all these vital services for our community. It shows that when we fund the arts, those dollars aren't just disappearing down some black hole of goodness. It's given back to the community. Cultural benefits, 
and economic benefits. Well, and Sally, I want to bring you into the conversation. Again, you're with Bravo Greater Des Moines, and you've been with the organization for about 10 years, right? Yeah. So uh, you've been through one of these surveys before (laughs) and then participated again. But I would love to just have you look back on on your tenure in Des Moines and in your experience is in Des Moines because from my perspective in the arts community in Des Moines it feels to me has just been growing dramatically over the last 20 years. Yeah, I would completely agree with that and the data bear that out. Not just the data that Randy's talking about, but we obviously operate all year long outside of AEP 6 years and um, we're seeing tremendous growth not only in the number of organizations that we are funding. Uh, Bravo serves as the region's arts council. We're best known for our grant making. Pre-pandemic, we were funding about 65 nonprofit organizations in the region. We're going to announce in the next couple of weeks that we're going to be funding 91 organizations in Greater Des Moines alone. That's our only geography. So there's been tremendous growth in the number of organizations and in the audiences and the participants. And frankly, Charity, that the types of things that are being presented We're seeing a huge growth in maybe more niche or more culturally specific organizations, things that are speaking to a particular audience or a particular passion for a group of people. And it's really wonderful to see how vibrant the community is. We say all the time, there is truly something for everyone. And I believe that extends across the state as well. It's just that my expertise is here more local. Right. Well, and so you you operate as the region's arts council. Tell me more about what you do. Yeah. So our role is to align arts and culture with everything else. We are almost entirely publicly funded, which is why another reason this is such an important study for us. And we are leveraging those public dollars to maximize the impact of arts, culture, and heritage on advancing regional priorities. That's a fancy way of saying we think arts and culture are attached to everything. There's nothing happening in Greater Des Moines that arts and culture can't make better. We just want to make sure that artists and representatives of the nonprofit arts and culture sector, and if it's Bravo, that we're sitting at those tables and part of those conversations. Education, transportation, mental health, talent attraction and retention, tourism. There's nothing that can't be done better if we include arts and culture in the conversation. So that's really the role of Bravo Greater Des Moines. We work on behalf of 17 local government communities that invest a portion of their hotel motel taxes in Bravo. That number that Randy just gave out about that tax revenue generated is a huge myth buster that the arts and culture sector is just on the take. They're not. Bravo invested about $4.5 million in the sector the year that this data was was collected. They turned it into $309 million worth of economic impact. That's a 70 to 1 ROI. It's significant. So it matters. And that's the role that we play is making sure that arts and culture are attached to all of those conversations. Well, and I'd love to hear your thoughts, too, because as I mentioned earlier, there feels like there there could be a danger in quantifying the arts because there are a lot of things I'm sure that, that you invest in that don't necessarily have that measurable economic impact. You just mentioned schools, for example, and school arts programs are one of those things that you're not going to get tax dollars back uh, on that probably. Um, so does that make you concerned at all? I think I'm going to reiterate what Randy said, which is that it is an important arrow in the quiver. But I don't think any of us are relying on it solely. So I will tell you, there are a lot of people who think, well, the arts don't matter to me. 
I don't like the arts. I didn't participate in the arts. I don't feel comfortable maybe in those experiences. It doesn't speak to me. So I don't I don't need to care about the arts. This is an important data point to help open a conversation with someone who may have that perception or who may not feel welcomed or included by the arts and culture sector. Maybe they care about economic impact. Maybe they care about education. Maybe they care about mental health. This is a way for us to begin a conversation. Um, and I think it's really important that it doesn't become the end of the conversation. We talk about it in our office as two sides of a coin. You have to never talk about the economic impact without also talking about the social impact. I also think, though, it's really important that you don't just talk about the social impact without including the economics. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back in just a moment. I'm talking with Sally Dix, Executive Director of Bravo Greater Des Moines, the region's arts council. Randy Cohen is also here. He is Vice President of Research at Americans for the Arts. And we are talking about a year-long study called Arts and Economic Prosperity 6. It's a nationwide study, but also focused on many communities in Iowa and the value, the economic value of the arts. This is Talk About. Iowa. Support for this IPR podcast comes from Iowa Community Foundations, an initiative of the Iowa Council of Foundations, connecting donors to causes they care about. Details on the Endow Iowa Tax Credit Program at communityfoundations.org. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. It's Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe. This hour, we are talking about the value of the arts. And so far this hour, we've been talking about the economic value of arts organizations. We're taking a look at a year-long study called Arts and Economic Prosperity 6. And this study included 565 Iowa nonprofit organizations, including museums, art centers, festivals, performing arts venues, and more in communities all over the state, showing us a really powerful economic impact of arts organizations. With me to decode what was found in this report, Randy Cohen. He is vice president of research at Americans for the Arts, a national nonprofit arts organization that led the study nationwide. Sally Dix is also here, executive director of Bravo Greater Des Moines, the region's arts council, and they participated in this study and the last one five years ago as well. And so, uh, Randy, we've been talking so far about the economic impact of the arts. And your study says that it shows us not just the economic impact, but also the social impact of arts and culture. How do you measure the social impact? Well, we look at several, um, take several approaches. Um, one is, as part of Arts and Economic Prosperity, we do a huge national public opinion survey of the arts. Largest one out there, um, more than 3,000 interviews. One of the interesting findings in that was 87% of the American population actually agrees that arts and culture, good for the local jobs, good for the local economy. And what that says is, um, Thinking about arts as an industry and as a jobs industry and um, isn't an intuitive way to think about the arts, right? You know, if we go out to an arts event this weekend, we're not going because it's good for the economy. Right. We're going because like, oh, we can't wait to see this event. So and then an additional 79 percent of the population says, oh, actually, you know, I'm sorry, 87 um, percent of the public says arts are uh, improve co uh, community livability. And 79% agree that arts are good for the local economy. Got my numbers mixed up there. What's fascinating is 
both of those figures are larger than the share of the population that actually attends the arts. So more people appreciate the value of the arts than go to the arts. And we see this in a couple of ways. One is, um, you know, I may not go to a museum, but boy, when my mom visits, thank God for the museum. You know, we've got somewhere to go. But also business leaders, for example, they know to attract a creative, innovative workforce, they need creative, culturally vibrant communities. And so they may or may not participate in the arts, but they know when they're one of their top concerns is how do we attract and retain workers? How do we get people to move to Iowa and work for our businesses? Um, they need arts and culture. So that was one lens. And then we asked each of the uh, 5,920 people who we surveyed uh, attending events um, some social impact questions. And we just found astounding numbers, all in the 80s uh, and 90% range. Um, this arts and cultural event is a source of pride for my community. Um, I would feel a sense of loss if this arts event were no longer available. And one I think that is really the call to action, you know, almost 90% said, it's important to me that this arts and cultural event be available for future generations. And that tells me that arts and culture, it's not just some uh, transaction that takes place every now and then. It really is part of the community, our history, our heritage, where we've been, where we're going. So arts in the state, and I've been around the state uh, over the years, it's a, it's a great arts and culture state. Um, so many cultural opportunities in big cities and in small cities um, that it means a lot to people here. Well, and thinking about the way that we interact with art, even if you're not somebody who goes to concerts or shows, that kind of thing. I mean, Sally, when I think about Des Moines in particular, the public art in Des Moines is exceptional. And there's been so much investment in public art with the sculpture garden, but far beyond that as well, again, in recent decades, that art that has become iconic, art that has become emblematic of the city, this is what people are putting on t-shirts and, and, and bumper stickers and things like that. How do you think about the value of public art? Well, I think you're talking about um the really big exceptional sculpture at the airport and the Papa John Sculpture Park in downtown Des Moines. And there's so much to be proud of. And the Women of Achievement Bridge. The Women Bridge. of Achievement Bridge. Yeah. And it's been very intentionally incorporated into infrastructure and public development. We have some very progressive community leaders that understand the value, again, of those iconic and large um, recognizable pieces. But I also want to call out, it's making a huge difference on the local level. And Bravo has funded and supported a number of different public art projects across the region. We funded one in a community that was a $2,500 investment, and they painted really fun things on their overpasses and on their manhole covers. And I'm telling you, it means so much to the people in that community to have that creative expression and that uniqueness that's specific to where they live, and they feel home and connected to place. So I think public art in a visible way shows um, what a community values. And it can show that to people from outside the community, but it's also really important that it speaks to the people in the community and that the community is part of the placemaking process. And public art is one of those really visible things that people can kind of attach to. Uh, another thing that we've seen in Des Moines in, just in the past year even is an investment in uh, public murals that really specifically represent the black community or 
minority populations in the city. Tell me how you think about that. Yeah, I think art is a place, um, a, a way for people to see themselves. And Bravo, uh, in 2017, we completed a regional cultural assessment and, and we sort of tried to understand what were the opportunities, the best ways for us to align arts and culture with everything else that was happening. And we came up with with four things that that arts uniquely can deliver. But one of them was, was the cultural tapestry charity, that there's everyone should be able to see themselves and their culture represented in what's presented on the stages and on the murals and in the public art and in the exhibit halls. And that's a continued area of opportunity. But I think we have seen some growth, whether it's because Bravo said that that was a a goal we wanted to achieve as a community or many other leaders have contributed and individual artists, development of mainframe studios, places for people um, who are artists to find themselves. But it's a tremendous opportunity for expression and visibility that I think not many other things offer. You're asking about the economic metrics for the arts. Super important. We have to have it. But the visibility, the fact that you're seeing it, that's another way to measure the impact of the arts and why some of the things that we're doing matter. Well, one of the statistics, Randy, that you have is 72% of the people that you surveyed said that they believe that the arts are valuable in building empathy and growing understanding. I, I think that may be a lowball number, mm-hmm. <laughs> but but I mean, tell me tell me a little bit more about what people said about that. Well, um, and we asked it a couple different ways. Another way we asked that question, um, we found out seventy. Uh, Two percent. The arts create opportunity for shared experiences with people of different races, um, ethnicities, ages, beliefs. Sixty-three percent. The arts help me understand other cultures in my community. That's this is. I mean, communities coming together and unity is just something, you know, that uh, I think so many people care about, um, and. Uh, it's really, it's just another way that the arts are building healthier communities, building a healthier Des Moines, building a healthier Iowa um, through the arts. So, yeah. so of course, uh, the last time you did one of these surveys, it was prior to 2020. Mm-hmm. And then we had 2020 and arts organizations were deeply impacted. Everybody was deeply impacted, but a lot of arts organizations were really, really hurt by the pandemic. So much of, of what these organizations do is bring people together and you couldn't bring people together safely. So in this survey, how did you take a look at at post pandemic or I guess this phase of the pandemic, how how arts organizations are faring and rebuilding? Well, we delayed the survey a couple of years because we were in the middle of the pandemic and 99% of arts and culture organizations uh, that present something to the public had to close, um, some opened and closed and reopened and reclosed again. Arts organizations, the first to close and were the last to open. Um, they had the um, higher levels of job losses uh, compared to other nonprofits. And actually, the U.S. Department of Commerce called out arts and culture, you know, as one of the most negatively affected uh, sectors. So huge challenge for the arts. Um, this data looks at um, ni- uh, 2022, and that is still rebuilding. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but the fact is, uh, even, you know, kind of in that first year um, out of the pandemic, arts and culture, still an industry, supporting jobs, generating government revenue. The arts were just on the right side of what needed to be done to get us 
out and beyond from the pandemic. You know, what were these two priorities that had? Well, we had to get people out of our homes. Isolation, loneliness, huge issues. Mental health tripled nationally. And the arts create these opportunities for shared experiences in public spaces. Nobody cares, you know, where you go and practice your faith or who you voted for. You know, we're we're all going to see this great music experience together. And then our local businesses. And sometimes people think a little abstractly like, oh, yeah, there's all these businesses. But these really are our neighbors, you know, the people in the community trying to keep their businesses open. And you know, what we found just right here in the Des Moines area, every time somebody goes to an arts event, $39.66 per person per event, not including the cost of admission. So now arts and culture is creating business, helping them stay open. And and the arts are really what um, is driving and bringing people to the communities. So, you know, back to a statewide figure, interestingly, 13% of all the attendees came from outside of Iowa. And we asked those folks, why are you here? We're glad you're here. Thanks for coming. 71% said, we came specifically for this arts event. Hmm. So you can really see the pulling power, you know, that the arts have in bringing people to our communities, but also getting us out of our homes getting us to have other experiences with other people in our community. Sally, it feels like uh, although arts arts organizations were hurt so hard by the pandemic, it also was a moment where a lot of people realized the personal value of the arts in, in their own lives. A lot of bookstores did really well during the pandemic because suddenly people were like, literature is absolutely essential to me and I want to support this local business and I also need something to read. Um, so, I mean, Sally, thinking about the uh, this sort of realization that a lot of people had, but also the economic realities of it, how have you seen Des Moines coming back? So Des Moines is coming back strong. I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, as I said, the number of organizations Bravo is funding post-pandemic is up by more than 20. So there are a lot of organizations. Um, we we didn't see in our community a lot of organizations fold. There was some infrastructure. There was some passion. There was some connection to them to keep them going through those dark, dark days. And they're coming out of it, and they're growing, and they're reimagining their, their pathways and reconnecting with their audiences which I think is great. Uh, another way that our Des Moines community is strong, again, I mentioned Bravo is almost totally funded with hotel motel taxes. We had our strongest year ever last year for hotel motel taxes. People are coming to the community. They are traveling. Randy's data, the AAP6 data, say they're not coming from quite as far away as they used to. There's a little bit more of that um, staycation mentality. But they're still coming, and they're spending money, and they're and they're being here. So we're really excited about that, and that's generating revenue that feeds Bravo, that then feeds the sector, and so it's this this get cycle of giving. The other thing that I think is really important for people to know is that the arts are more about um, they're about the experience that you have when you go, but they're also about the presenters and the people that are putting on those programs. Fifty percent of the organizations Bravo supports are entirely volunteer run. These are organizations that are doing what they do because they care about your experience, Charity, but they're also doing it because it matters to them. And the fact that those organizations continue to thrive and continue to present programming and continue to um, pursue the value that they add to the community, I think, speaks to how our sector is coming back. So 
this information, obviously, is something that you really want policymakers to, to take notice of when, you know, whether it's a, a city or a state or on the national level to talk about public funding for the arts and thinking about it as an investment where there's a significant economic return. For people who might be thinking about starting arts organizations or for individuals, what do you think they can take away from this information? Randy, I'll let you go first. It, um, it provides uh, another um, advocacy tool uh, advocacy tool to help them raise money. You know, um, the typical arts organization only gets about 50 to 60 percent of its income from ticket sales and sponsorships, you know, and the other portion has to be raised from public and private sector sources, and that helps keep, um, you know, keeps the arts affordable and accessible. Uh, you know, I think there's a, a really powerful story to be told here across the state. You know, I mean, Iowa, uh, the state funds arts at less than 50 cents per capita, which makes it 43rd in the nation. Um, and so there's a lot of untapped headroom here still. And, you know, I mean, Nebraska is $1.32 per person. That's number 22. So, um, you know, we've, if you care about the arts, we got to talk about the importance of funding the arts, too. What do you think, Sally? I was just going to say, I think it's absolutely everything Randy said. And people need to attend and they need to participate and they need to engage and support. I guarantee you there is truly something for everyone in greater Des Moines. And if for some reason you didn't find it here, look outside Des Moines and, and look across the state. But it is incumbent on all of us if we value these things to uh, support them in whatever way we can. And, and obviously, if that's a if that's a donation, that's wonderful. But if it's not a donation, you could be a volunteer. You could attend an event. You could talk about it to your neighbors. You could re-listen to this podcast and be an advocate for the impact that the arts has, even if it's not something that speaks directly to you. I think the more people who understand how deeply integrated and essential arts and culture are to our not just our quality of life, not just our economy, but everything we value, I think that is a that is a win. And that's part of what we're hoping to get out of having this data and participating in this study. Thinking about all of the work that you do, it must also, when you look at this study, it must just reinforce <laughs> everything you do and make make you appreciate what you've been able to accomplish. Absolutely. Bravo is a visionary model. I'm the envy. There are 400, Bravo's a regional arts council. There are 400 plus organizations like us across the country in conversations with colleagues. I'm the envy of everyone because our community recognized that a dedicated public revenue stream for the arts was a requirement for us to be sustainable and thriving. And as I said, it's paid off in dividends. I really have to give a shout out to the people that do the work every day. Those 40 some odd organizations, 179 that participated in this study. They're doing great, great work, and we're really proud to play a role. Sally, thank you so much. Thanks, Charity. Sally Dix is executive director of Bravo Greater Des Moines, the region's arts council. Randy Cohen, thank you. Thanks for having me. This was great. Randy Cohen is vice president of research at Americans for the Arts, a national nonprofit arts organization that led this study we've been talking about, the Arts and Economic Prosperity Study Nationwide. Coming up in just a moment, we'll find out about the Danny Awards. This is Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe. 
Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. It's Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe. Daniels Music Foundation is an organization that was founded in 2006 to empower individuals of all abilities to grow as musicians and express themselves creatively. The fourth annual Danny Awards take place this weekend in New York City. Every year, Daniels Music Foundation selects exceptional disabled musicians from around the world. And this year, one of those musicians is from Cedar Rapids. I'll talk with Ricky Bartlett, actor, broadcaster, and singer who is also a double amputee in just a few minutes. But first, we're going to meet the family behind Daniel's Music Foundation. Daniel himself, Daniel Trush is here. Hello, Daniel. Hello, how are you? Great, it's wonderful to talk to you. And Ken Trush, also one of the founders and Daniel's father. Hello, Ken. Hey, Charity. It's wonderful to talk to both of you. And I know that this foundation grew out of Daniel's rehabilitation from a terrible health crisis. And can can you tell me that story? Can you tell me what happened? I'm going to turn it to Daniel because he tells it much better than I do. Okay. Yep. So I had a very typical childhood up until March 9th of 1997, when one of my five undetected brain aneurysms burst inside my head. I went into a coma and I was in a coma for 30 days and I was in the hospital and rehab for a total of 341 days. But who's counting? Am I right? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And Daniel, I, I can only imagine what that was like for you and your entire family to go through. Can you tell me about the role that music played? in your rehabilitation? Sure. Music played a big role in my rehabilitation. Before my injury, I used to play the guitar and the trumpet. And since I've taken up the keyboard and I sing. Nice. Well, and so, Ken, from a father's perspective, I mean, obviously, Daniel was a musician before he went through this health crisis. But what did you see in him as he was recovering, that made you feel like music was such an important part of what was happening? That's a great question. I mean, when someone's in a coma, you have to realize there's complete silence except for all the lines that attach to the person. And there's only so much you can say. I mean, I was with Daniel 24 hours a day. And so I would play music and I would express my feelings to Daniel through songs. And then when he started waking up from his coma, I started singing. I made up a song because I wanted him to know that I would always be there. And he started riffing when I was singing, and there was this communication that we had. And then finally, he disappointed me because of Yeah, after a year and a half, I asked my dad if he'd stop singing that song, please. (laughs) And I said, said, why now, after all this time? And I said, I couldn't tell you to stop before. I was in a coma. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I mean, Daniel, thinking back to that, does it feel like in some ways it was music that brought you back? Yes, definitely. And what's really interesting, what we saw with Daniel, is that 
Daniel still faces challenges in remembering certain things, but not. Yeah, but not with music. I could listen to a song once or twice and then somehow remember all of the words. Wow. So somehow it's getting in here even with my short-term memory issue. And we see that with all our, a lot of our musicians in terms of being able to express themselves through music. Every day we have free classes in the center. We've given over 13,500 free classes since, since we started. Yeah, we, we always felt that music was a right rather than a privilege and it should be open to everybody. And now we have online classes as well. So anyone in Iowa that wants to join <laughs> online, whether it's an event like a dance party, an open mic, they're welcome. Or we're going to start online classes, which are more, I guess, educational in 2024 so they can learn about that but we are so excited about having ricky come into new york city uh this weekend he has such a wonderful personality he's super talented i uh, can't wait to meet him in person when you know when we tell our honorees that they won a danny award it's one of the best days of yeah, the year yeah it is they're super excited as and... as we are and then when you get to meet them you feel like i sort of know them yeah, but not quite yeah. <laughs> and so they're coming in Thursday night, and then Friday we're going down out to the Orchard, which is a subsidiary sub of Sony, for a workshop. For a workshop, and then Saturday is the actual Danny Awards. Wow, that sounds amazing! What made you decide to start the Danny Awards? Mm -hmm. I think the concept behind it was to show the world what we see all the time, and so we wanted an avenue where people could really see the musicians shine and not look at people with a challenge or a disability, but just look at them as musicians. We were excited and we had no idea that it was going to grow like it has. Now I Googled and there's like 3.2 million people in Iowa. I would love your state to support Ricky on Saturday, which is four, four o'clock Eastern time, three o'clock central. And Ricky is going to be the first performer. He doesn't know that yet, <laughs> but he will be the first performer starting around 3.10 Central Time, and it would be so wonderful to have the state of Iowa support. Tune in. I mean, because this is a celebration that's in person, but it's also online, so people from anywhere can join. I do want to ask you, I mean, in honoring musicians with disabilities, and so many musicians probably have disabilities, but that may be a hidden part of their lives in the public eye. Is it hard to find musicians with disabilities? Well, we ask people to self-identify. We make it we make it easy for people to, you know, sign up and 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 submit, submit a, vi a video. And so we look at it as this is the first step in understanding for people to understand that everyone has a talent. And we hope at one point that it'll just be the Danny Awards for musicians um, and not have to say disabled musicians. But I don't think we're there yet. Yeah. Uh, we're not there yet, but we're making progress. What have you heard? This is the fourth annual. So what have you heard from musicians that have been honored in the past about what this means to them? We've heard some of the nicest things. I mean, for some people, it's the first time they come to New York City. And then for them to have a weekend in New York City paid is something special. But then to go on the stage in front of 650 or 700 people and thousands of people on the live stream, to know that they are being recognized for something that they love and 
that their music is being heard and that they're important, it's beautiful. You interact with a lot of people with disabilities through Daniel's Music Foundation, and you want everybody in Iowa to be watching the the Danny Awards. But what do you think about when you think about that audience, the people who are watching this? What are you hoping that people are seeing? I I hope they understand that everyone, everyone, not just people with disabilities, has challenges in their life, and that they look in a non-judgmental way to look for the talent in a person rather than make ju- you know make a judgment because of maybe the way the person walks or maybe the way the person speaks with the understanding that everyone wants to have a meaningful and purposeful life and everyone deserves it. What do you want the adults in the lives of disabled children to know about music, to think about? I think to make music part of everyone's life, just like running became part of many people's lives, right? Many years ago, it was just the elite athletes. And we want, we want to bring music to everyone. To everybody, right? yeah. And not feel that they have, have to be elite or perform in Carnegie Hall like this guy did. <laughs> well, I'm excited to bring Ricky onto the show, and I, I'm, it's been such a pleasure to talk to the two of you. Thank uh, you so much. Likewise. We hope we see you online. Yep, we, we do. Daniel and Ken Trush, founders of Daniel's Music Foundation. And we've been talking about the Danny Awards. The fourth annual Danny Awards take place this weekend in New York City. Every year, Daniel's Music Foundation selects exceptional disabled musicians from around the world. And the event will be live streamed. You can register for the live stream at danielsmusic.org. One of the artists featured this year is Ricky Bartlett of Cedar Rapids. He's a broadcaster on KMRY in Cedar Rapids. He's an actor, and he's now making his debut as a singer. Bartlett is also a double amputee. Both of his legs have been amputated, and he walks with prosthetics. Ricky, welcome back. Well, thank you so much. I love coming over here and seeing you, Miss Charity. (laughs) Well, it's wonderful to have you back. But last time we talked, I didn't I don't recall that you were a musician. I don't recall being a musician either because this was a whole accidental kind of thing. All right. Well, tell me how it happened. All right. So uh, I was on one of my uh, acting job sites looking and everything else. And there's a message that said, you know, I see that you are a disabled actor. Do you also sing or play an instrument? And I was like, well, I used to sing in church at Mount Zion Baptist Church in Phoenix City, Alabama. And I haven't done that in a long time. So, you know, I said, why not? So I clicked on the link and said audition. And I, I auditioned, but I, I didn't want to do it by myself. So I grabbed a group named Vibe, V-I-B-E, that's in Cedar Rapids, phenomenal. And they helped me out. Wow. Okay. So, so you call up Vibe and you say what? What do you mean I say what? Well, I, so I want to audition for this. Oh, okay. All right. I see what you're saying. All right. So because so, you're in my business. So the, <laughs> what happened was. It's my is, job to be <laughs> in your business. <laughs> so what happened was I contacted Alicia Monet, who's a part of, of Vibe. And I said, hey, I would really love for you guys to be the backup for me because I didn't want to just, you know, sit on the steps singing with nothing in the back in a, in a tape. So that's what I did. I contacted them. They agreed to do it. And so we met at Bruce Moore where they rehearsed. And while they were rehearsing and uh, or in, uh, tuning their instruments, I started humming a song that was not the song where we agreed I was going to sing. All of a sudden, the guitar started doing his thing, the, the accordionist started doing his thing, drummer, the Alicia and I, and it just turned into a thing. They were videoed 
videoing the whole thing at that time, and that was the tape we sent in. Wow. No rehearsal, No, never even met all of them before. Oh, my goodness. So you must have felt like this was a little bit of a shot in the dark. Tell me what happened. I mean, you heard back from Daniel's Music Foundation. Look here. So I guess you're right about a shot in the dark because I was thinking there's no way because this has got such a global reach. Yeah. And they're looking for all these people and they're only choosing 10. So I get a phone call in whatever day it was, August 1st, end of July. And I get a phone call, and I miss the call because I don't answer numbers I don't know. Sure. And so I call them back, and all of a sudden, the entire family that organizes the Daniel Foundation was there. And they were like, Ricky, well, I want to tell you the good news. You've been chosen to, to, to receive a Danny Award. You've been chosen to, to perform live. And I said, shut your mouth. <laughs> you, you quit. Stop lying to me. I've been through enough today. And Carla, who was a part of it, she was like, no, seriously, we 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 really want you here. We're going to give you the details later. You know, congratulations. And I got off the phone and I was still in disbelief. I said, there's no way they, they must have another Ricky Bartlett out there somewhere. I can't wait to see this performance, but tell me what this means to you now that you've had time to process it and learn a lot more about the foundation as well. Number one, that foundation is simply amazing. They help people who with disabilities um, get into music, learn music, and to basically have people build more confidence in themselves. And and I love that about that. Um, growing up the way I did with some of the trauma that I had, music was always something that I went to to feel comfort, to, to be able to say, you know, I guess get away from that world. And so I understand a lot of what they're going through. But for them to put on a, an awards like this is, is, is like the next step. And if you watch some of the, the previous year's award ceremony, it's just all about the love of music. And you don't really focus on the disability. Ricky, you also are an actor. And I, I was just talking with Daniel and Ken about, you know, thinking about the audience, watching these musicians who have disabilities performing. And when you're on a screen, people also see a man with disabilities who is doing his job. And, and you're probably giving a lot of people hope, I would think. You know, <laughs> that's one of those you got to question your own humility on things because I don't like to to make myself the center of attention. And, and I know that sounds awkward and weird because I'm in radio and and you hear my voice. And I'm on the screen or, or TV or whatever it is. But I like to focus on other people. And if being up there, standing up there, um, help someone else look in that mirror and say, you know what, I can be that person, too. I can get up off my rear end and make something positive happen in my life, then I'm there. I'll, I'll stand on that stage. Tell me a little bit about what's going on with your acting career right now. So, <laughs> I, in fact, I had a meeting this past Saturday with a director of a movie they want to film in the Caribbean called Caribbean Night about a Caribbean superhero. They want me to be a part of, of that realm as a disabled superhero or villain. But first, what they're wanting to do is create a comic book. And so I get free reign to design the character in this comic book. And I've got a bunch of different names and everything. And, and also, they're wanting to do an action figure 
of that. And I'm thinking I got to lose some weight because we can't have, you know, Chunky up there as no superhero on prosthetic legs. I think you get to be whoever you are. That's okay. awesome. The, That's the, amazing. The rights comment should have been, no, nah, Ricky, <laughs> you ain't chunky. You just big boned. But I mean, that's fine. You, you do you, Charity. You do you. That is so exciting. And you also just finished filming with Eric Roberts, right? Yes. yes. Tell me about that. Uh, intense Unknown. That was intense. In fact, we had to go back. And this is a film. This is a, a feature length film. And we had to go back uh, this past September um, to uh, actually do some fight scenes. And given my situation, it it was a lot more strenuous than I ever thought. But I dove in there and I had to actually pull back a little bit because I was getting a little bit too, you know, aggressive on there. Because in the movie, you don't know whether I'm a good guy or a bad guy. So I don't want to spoil it but right. it, they did tell me they're trying to bring it out next year instead of bringing it out this year since we're already towards the end but the trailer is out awesome all right well it sounds like you're taking over the world well where's the money at because i need i need a bit more <laughs> maybe that's coming maybe that's coming i hope it is we're gonna we're gonna go out listening to you sing here right? uh-uh. yeah no you're not Yes, we are. No, you're not. Ricky Bartlett, thank you so much. All right, thank you so much. Ricky Bartlett, broadcaster, actor, and singer. Here he is singing Skyfall. Let the sky fall. Ricky Bartlett will be one of the featured performers at the fourth annual Danny Awards taking place this weekend in New York City. It will be live streamed. You can find out more at danielsmusic.org. This is Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe.